Have you had your soup today? And the cold, crisp taste of Coke is so satisfying, it keeps me from eating something else that might really add those pounds. Pounds, pounds. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to our episode of Sheologians. We're here today to put the P in PhD. <laughs> D. Do you hear it? Do you hear the, the he in PhD? Mm-hmm. That was the first thing I saw in my notes. My name is Summer Yeager. I'm here with my beautiful co-host, Joy, <laughs> and I have I have an update for you and book club that is relevant to no one else, but I think is a hot tip that I am excited about, which is that although I was really majorly annoying myself by making muffins with zucchini squash as like the main ingredient, Mm -hmm. they turned out really Mm -hmm. good. They were bomb. (laughs) Chocolate and zucchini, just chocolate and zucchini, they, I get how it looks, but it's just not how it looks. Like it's legitimately, it might be done for healthiness, but it does not, a lot of healthiness compromises the, like the flavor and enjoyment and you end up having like a healthy version of something. But I just find I anytime there's chocolate and zucchini, I just don't find that to be the case. I think they so good. You're not making any concessions. Like no, you're you're getting the full effect yes. of the dessert. No, it was so good, and it wasn't even it was zucchini squash, which is different than zucchini, or is it the same thing? I don't actually know. It I was a mixture. It was a mixture of yellows and greens. And it's oh, okay. Uni squash on the bag. So, you know, I'm just revealing how little I know about my vegetables right now. Um, but I was I do nervous. not think zucchini comes in yellow. Okay. Zucchini doesn't come in yellow, but Okay. But so it was squash. It was a mixture. Still squash though. It was a squash. Yeah. It was squash. The main ingredient Ooh. was squash and some zucchini. And um, I was really nervous when I was making it because in step number one, I was blending olive oil with zucchinis and it smells not at all like dessert, like at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. But once it was all, once the sugar joined and there was maple syrup and then the cocoa and then the chocolate chips and then it was baked, it was just, they're so good. And I'm just not sorry at all that uh, Ransom's first little smash cake thing is going to be a squash muffin. <laughs> don't don't be sorry. You guys should try don't it. Do it. You guys should try it. If you guys want the recipe, I will drop it somewhere. If you ask for it, I'll give it to you because it was really delicious. So that's my update. We were talking about it in book club. I know this isn't book club. Yes. But yeah. here we are. It was not a mistake. I highly recommend. Um, well, I just realized that this, I'm not sure if this is something you had planned, but um, 
do we need to do we need to update everybody on our challenge on our challenges how our challenges went yeah we do i forgot about that yeah we do let's see today if you're listening to this when it comes out is the 18th so we did talk about it a little bit last week if i remember correctly yeah we warned everyone that they basically had one week depending on how they phrase their challenge they might have one week to fulfill four months worth of work yeah so (laughs) (laughs) i hope you did it i hope you did four months worth of work in the last seven days which even if you did don't forget that my challenge was to be honest about how That's your right. challenge went. That's right. So you still have to fess up to doing four months worth of work in one week. <laughs> and unfortunately, if you're if you challenge yourself to work out every day for four months and you didn't do that, well, you failure. should not have challenged yourself to do that. First of yeah. all, that's yeah. uh, way too intense of a challenge. Yeah. I personally, mm-hmm. although I know the 75 hard or the 75 soft is popular where you do like, yeah. I think 75 hard, you have to work out twice a day. Yeah. And then the 75 is soft like, is once. Yeah. I think with 75 hard, you do one like dedicated workout with like cardio or weights. And then another one you have to be like outside for that. Is, but anyway, that is too much. Which. I could I could get if you just were trying to like change your whole life then but I also feel like there's probably if you're trying to change your whole life there's probably a high uh failure rate <laughs> as well <laughs> <laughs> because then you have to start over isn't that one of the things of it of I 75 don't know. hard you have to, I, like I've if you n- miss a day you have to start over no not yeah I, I think can't. so the hard is the right word to describe that because I don't even know a foolish maybe might be better 75 foolish might be (laughs) 75 fool the thing you should call it um but did you have a summer challenge other than to keep it real I did um (laughs) okay so I just opened my my iPad case but uh it's empty because (laughs) My iPad's out of my case, and I'm talking to you on it. <laughs> I saw you open it and go, what? It was what? just like, kind of like a, oh. oh. <laughs> um, okay, so my challenge over the summer was to read five books and to read the New Testament three times. That is a lot of times. So I didn't even read it fully one time. <laughs> <laughs> um I'm not saying I didn't read my Bible. Yeah. I did read my Bible and I did read. I started multiple times and read large portions of the New Testament, but I was not able to fully make it through all the way, Um, especially just because you lose a lot of I feel like you lose a lot of steam after you get through the Gospels because you're just hearing like the same. I mean, it's not the same thing, but yeah, once you power through those. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and then I read seven books. Okay. Uh, maybe eight, maybe eight by the time this comes out, I think. Good actually. job. Okay. So I That's succeeded great. in some ways and, and uh, failed 
in some other ways. Well, so did you have one? Did you pick one? I think we both said we would pick one, but um, so I have a yearly goal. I have a goal for my whole year that, and my goal for the summer was to just not lose any. Keep steam. doing that, like not lose okay. any steam. So by the end of the year, I want my. So I use an app to track my workouts. And uh, by the end of the year, I want to have tracked 274. That won't be 274 this year. It'll be like just the way that it tracks is like ever since I started using it, I've tracked 200. I've tracked 213 workouts since I started using it. And my goal was to hit 274 by the end of the year. So I'm on track with that. Um, I wanted to read two books a month this year. So I'm on track with, I'm way ahead of that. I will blow my, I'll blow that one out of the water. And then um, I did have a writing goal. I wanted to sit down and write something intentionally six times and um, I've done it zero. So. Okay. Gotcha. (laughs) So that's the one I'm like majorly, like just not even, I'm not even going to come close. (laughs) I think those are the goals you reassess because it's just like, well, so like I stopped, I stopped doing, I stopped my Bible reading. I just started the Bible reading challenge. Yeah. So like I, after so many months of failure to do what you have set for yourself, it's like, you have to, should I just admit that (laughs) you have to reevaluate. Totally. So like if this is your 30th day one of 75 hard, like maybe it's maybe not you're for not you. Gonna do it. <laughs> yeah. Maybe this isn't, maybe you need to be real. This is, that's when your yeah. challenge comes in, which is like, yes. be real <laughs> yeah. about whether you're not or not you're going to do this. And yeah. Um, yeah, my writing goal. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think I, can I just say, it doesn't sound like I was very excited about that one. <laughs> yeah it could be it's something that you know you need to do and you do want to do but it's something that's it's a stretch yeah you have to be what did you know what did my bff say to me at the gym this morning she said if you say you want something but you take absolutely no action to do it it doesn't mean anything (laughs) like you can say it all you want but you obviously don't actually want it. <laughs> yeah. And that yeah. I think that's the be real part of your challenge, which is like, mm-hmm. no, you didn't want that. Like you, you like the idea of it way yeah. more than you like yeah. it. And you have to be so real about that. <laughs> yes. Well, I think we even, a lot of times we get stuck in this like planning phase and we love the planning phase because the planning phase is full of hope and just, what will the future bring it's it's full of planner stickers (laughs) yes no and that was when it was it was a few days before september so like late august and i was i had erased and rewritten like my new bible reading schedule for the month of september and i was like you're in some sort of weird planning loop right now yeah and and then it was like and here's how I can tell. Cause I was like, just do the Bible reading challenge. And then 
I was like, okay, well, I'm going to write the Bible reading challenge routine into my calendar in my notes. And, and I was like, no, you're not, you're not going to do that. You're just going to download the, yes. the thing they give you. Yes. You're going to put that into your notes app and you're going to check it off every day when yes. you read it. Yep. <laughs> like, just stop, yes. stop getting Why? so into the planning portion of it. <laughs> Every time I've ever written, like physically written the reading down for the week, I've literally never looked at it. <laughs> so like, why? For those of you who don't know what the Bible reading challenge is, this would probably be a good time to yeah. tell you because it's been a while. We have a whole, if you go to sheologians.com and you type in Bible reading challenge, we had the our friend who started it on to talk about it so you can hear a full I think theology of why to read the Bible a lot and quickly sometimes, which I know a lot of people are really against. Some people are like, listen, I can only process three verses at a time (laughs) and whatever. The Bible reading challenge is just a Bible reading plan that a lot of people are part of. You can find it at to the word.com. It just started and um, it's great. And why read the Bible? Well, like I said, we've we've given a whole theology of that. Yeah. Um, and I think it's very helpful. But yes, I I uh we did the New Testament reading over the summer. That went really well. Um, we always miss a day here and there somehow. Uh what's really funny is that for three years, the day that we read Second Corinthians, I have missed. Like, I don't know what it is. Hmm. I don't know Interesting. what it is. But it kind of became this like running joke that like I don't read Second Corinthians because like <laughs> I don't know. It just like it just always would fall off the radar totally accidentally. I don't I never meant to do that. I have nothing against Second Corinthians, but it just <laughs> constant anyway. So this year I did not miss that day. So I really fall. I was like <gasps> Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It was like brand new. Like when you haven't read a book of the Bible in three years. True. Yes. True. It's brand new. But true. Anyway, all right. You guys can leave us a voicemail at 470-465-0475. I have to tell you, I got a voicemail so relatable that I had to figure out immediately how to use the voicemail number to text this person back. Which might have been one of the creepier things. I hope she doesn't mind. I mean, she responded and didn't seem too freaked out. So <laughs> I don't think I offended her. <laughs> but um, I, I guess that's any- just our announcement now, which is that if you voicemail us, <laughs> we are going to know your phone number. Yes. I mean, your phone number Sorry. is a part of it. And I might yep. text you back if it really just excites me. Um. And well, there was two. There was Aubrey from Texas and then Adeline from Houston. And so both of their names start with an A. I wanted to give both of them a shout out. And I can't remember which one I texted back, but she left a voicemail to, to recommend that I watch Alone Australia, which is I, I know. Oh, yes. Did not realize they had one. They have an Alone Australia. I don't know if it's like currently on... I am watching it on the History Channel app, which is totally free. 
Um, but my husband and I had just started watching it. So the fact that she called and was like, you got to try this alone, Australia. And then oh. she said some things that were way nicer than what my husband and I have had to say, because alone, Australia, you know how we're always offending Australians. Mm, That's just mm-hmm. like the thing that we do accidentally. Yeah. Like I don't mean to. Um, but we're watching Alone Australia and it is, I mean, if I was Australian, I would be offended that this show was happening because it's so embarrassing. First of all, half the people on the show are gay. I mean, just number one, it's like the gayest show I've ever watched. I've never watched. And it's like just normal people. And then of course they have to like throw in like, oh, look at me and my partner, you know, like. And it's just like, okay, like half of them are half the, I really doubt half the people in Australia are gay. So mm. this is something. depending. Some people would say that, well, man, so then it's not even a joke. It's like, but some people think everyone is joy. So joy on, on the third episode of the show. No, by the second episode of the show, four people had topped out. On by day three, we're down to like six or seven people left. On the third day, one guy was alone in his tent, alone in his tent, and it's the second day. And he took a COVID test. He COVID tested himself because not because he had a fever or had a cough or anything. It was clearly because bro just wanted to go home. He took a COVID test. He says it was positive. Never saw it on the screen. Then the, he calls the medical team and the me- he gets, he- hold on. He called the medical team because he says he has COVID. So he called people to come near him. And then they pulled him because his heart rate was high. His heart rate. I'm sorry, but I feel like everyone in Australia, they were like when COVID was at its height, whatever that means, they were saying for us to all be alone. So like, no, doesn't that seem like kind of the height of hypocrisy? He was exactly where he should have been if he had COVID. It's like, we're leaving. We're leaving you there. Like you're in the right spot for COVID. (laughs) Yeah. And then his heart rate was high. Oh no. It sounds like he was confronted by his own gayness and (laughs) couldn't be there any longer. (laughs) It was so bad. It was like day oh, three no. and this guy, he's like tough, tough guy, right? Military, whatever. It's day three and he's sitting there and he's like, this is a starvation game. It's day three, bro. It's day three. Those Canadian women, they're up there getting like poisonous spider bites and healing it themselves. And they're like, I'm not leaving here. And these dudes down in Australia are like day three. This is the rough life. <laughs> Nothing's wrong with that. I would have expected that. I would have it's, expected. It's really bad. It's really bad. And uh, hmm. I don't even know if I can finish the season because it's so bad. Anyway, we should move on. It's really, really painful. I'm sorry to <laughs> Australia for this show and for this representation um, because it's pretty embarrassing. I mean, it's kind of, it was kind of them it was- doing it. Sounds like it was kind I'm of you guys. I'm just trying not to offend sorry. all of Australia because I know I do all the time, and I'm sorry. We won't, we won't hold it against you guys. 
Yeah, it's not your fault. These people are so embarrassing. <laughs> Anyways, um, let's see. Uh, we are in our book club break. We finished Out of the Silent Planet. And we are inviting you to join us for our next read, which is also by C.S. Lewis and is technically the second book in the Ransom trilogy. And it's called Paralandra. And mm-hmm. we're so excited, nervous, excited. We're excited. We're going to finish the trilogy. We told you all about it last week. And, you know, if you're mad, you can call Joy. But I won't tell you her number. So good luck with that. <laughs> Sorry. <Man. laughs> we'll just can't wait to see what kind of hate you get for my decision. <laughs> It happens all the time. All right. Um, we do that. Join book club. We meet every Wednesday, 1.30 Pacific time. If you can't make it, we drop the session later at patreon.com slash So you can join in at your convenience. And um, I don't know. You guys have probably heard me. I know you've heard me. I have been just really interested is not the word. I have been listening watching like a train wreck i think is probably the right word um the the deconstruction movement and mm-hmm. it's fascinating mm-hmm. to me um i didn't think that it would be when when the deconstructionist thing started i found it very boring and i didn't really pay attention and now i find it super interesting <laughs> um because For a lot of reasons, but one of the big reasons is that if you listen and watch and read the deconstructionists, you will learn how not to be. Um, And I think it's actually very important to notice how not to be. Um, And this, the, the, these are lessons in how not to be. And um, yeah, well, especially in a, in a cult, sorry, in a culture where like, where, so a lot of the, the, the modes of deconstruction are due to our culture and the way Mm. that we operate and what we believe. So in a lot of instances, these are some of these things, maybe not to their fullest extent, but you may believe or give some credence to like the, like you may in some way have some like deconstructive thoughts in your Mm -hmm. head. Yeah. Just based off of things you learned growing up or messages you've seen from media or books you've read or secular psychology or whatever. So definitely good to know what not to do, especially if it might, be in there just kind of rattling around a little bit (laughs) yes oh for sure well and that's what that's what makes it kind of because i don't think we're we're if you're tuning into this show you're probably not deconstructing um no that's not what you're here for but Mm -mm. i do think there's enough there's a a thread among the deconstruction crowd that I've noticed that I went that I had that thought about like exactly what you just said which was like 
okay, this is just human nature. This is something we all can do. Um, and what it is, the thing that I hear over and over, if you listen to anything deconstruction, uh, whether it's an Instagram post or a video or a book or a blog, you 100% are going to be hearing someone with a PhD in studying the past sins of others. Someone who has just mined the depths of what they, th- of how they think they have been sinned against. And I mean, it's serious analysis. It is, by serious, I don't mean like I take it seriously. I mean, it is like analysis. It is like PhD level. Yeah. It's like I have taken serious stock of what I think happened, what should have happened, how wrong this person Mm -hmm. was. I mean, on and on and on. And it just got me thinking of how hypocritical it is to get your PhD in the sins of others, in the sins of the past, and what that does to the people in the future. Because you're talking about, I mean, wow, just what a violation of every command to uh, be forgiving, to set your mind on things above. And I know already kind of what the objection would be. The objection would be, well, how can I, you know, make sure I'm not perpetuating this in the future if I haven't studied? And it's like, well, no, it's not necessary. It's not necessary to dwell on how you've been wronged in order not to wrong others. You already know how others ought to be treated. That's such an excuse. It's such a poor. You're enjoying it. Yes. Yes, you are. You're enjoying it. That's why you're doing it. You're very interested. You're very, very interested. And um, it's so funny because there's a real kind of walking backward instead of moving forward focus. And the, the older I get, the more I realize the ways in which it is your sinful flesh views every setback as a huge opportunity to whine and complain. That is what your flesh wants to do. If you're sinned against, if there's some sort of setback, if there's some sort of like, that's your, that's like, you're going to be your go-to if you're not intentional about it. And that is what is, um, it's just in the water. It's just in the water in that whole community and that whole group um, and it keeps you from putting something good in the water. <laughs> like it yeah. keeps you from doing what you actually need to do in order to move forward. And it doesn't have a, it's a totally backward facing view, but it makes perfect sense. Like it makes perfect sense that that's what you would do if you were not focused on moving forward is you would just become somebody who could write a novel on like everybody else's faults yeah I do think that's something that like uh you know whatever I do think that's something that women in particular can be really really good at 
Well, yeah, I mean, basically the reason this show even became a percentage of what it is, is because we started talking about feminism and feminism is the PhD course in that. That's the school that produces the PhDs in trauma. (laughs) That's just, that's just who's the accredited school of feminism. (laughs) That's what's doing this, this, you know, and especially the more we see feminism shape, shaped by the culture, we especially see how it is totally fallen in line with the whole structural systemic trauma, this idea that we like marginalized groups, women being one of the primary examples, need to understand why we were treated certain ways in the past and why that resulted in certain inequalities and why those and how those inequalities are expressed in the biggest your big corporate job and your little individual marriage and how it's just structurally poisoning everything around you. Um, yeah, I was, cause I was trying to think about like, I was, tr- um, I just had a funny thought cause of course in my, like when we're talking, you say PhD in trauma. And so of course there's this part of me that's like, I don't think it's totally necessary at this point that we make a bunch of distinctions, but it's like, so you have someone who's hurt, who's a legitimate victim of someone else's sin, or maybe you have a responsible but humble person who is experiencing the hurt of their own sin and the consequences that came from that. So that's not who we're talking about, but, I coined the term for the person that we are talking about and her name is Dr. Brat. The <laughs> <Hey>, German. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Brat. And um that's really what she is. Is she is a brat. She is um a child that it, in any in some ways it's actually offensive uh to people who are even legitimately hurting because she, her hurt is so performative and so contrived that people that she's, she's like making it up or exaggerating. Um, and in order to, well, I'm certain she believes she doesn't believe she's making it up and she doesn't believe that she's exaggerating, but in a way the PhD, it, it bolsters her made up and exaggerated trauma. She goes, I am a verified, accredited, um, <laughs> trustworthy member of, of this PhD community. And that is how I know that my trauma and past experiences are real and have effect and there's like some authority that comes with it so in to some extent to some extent it's like this sort of self-fulfilling it's just another one of those ways that we've created teachers that we like to hear um it's like if i can just if i can sort of equip myself with the proper authority then i can be an authority 
on the topic of trauma. And that means that I can always be traumatized. Oh yeah. By everything. Um, I was thinking about how, uh, a lot of times if you listen to the deconstruction crowd, what you're going to hear is, um, and we touched on this a little bit for some reason recently. And, uh, they always have some sort of excuse for why things are more difficult for them. And so Mm -hmm. you hear a lot about neurodivergence and being, having this and that and finding out that I have this and that problem. And that's why it makes sense that my life has always been harder. That's why I've been so persecuted by the church is because of this like neurodivergence that was undiagnosed all these years. And that is a common, common refrain. And what I find interesting about that is it's not that I don't believe that the fall hasn't affected anybody's brain chemistry or the way that our brains work. It's not that I don't believe that there are people who truly have disabilities it's that a lot of the kind of rallying cry that you hear in this crowd is like the church doesn't care about people with neurodivergence. They don't care about people with disabilities. Um, And what I find really interesting about that is when you really start talking to these people and breaking it down, um, you will find that they will say things like, well, what about moms who have, you know, children with disabilities? Do you really expect them to serve in this way or serve in that way? Like, how can a mom with, you know, you don't know what it's, how can you give moms advice? You don't even take account for people that have disabilities or children with disabilities. And it's like, when they say stuff like that, and when they use people who have genuine disabilities as like, a weapon to say, how can you, how dare you say this? It's so cowardly, number one. But number two, it actually reveals the negative view they have of people with disabilities because they view it as this thing where it's like, this is such a, this is such a setback. Like, it's so like, you can't believe what this person has to go through and do, do, do. And it's like, if you think about what God's given everyone to do like it looks different and if you are a mom of a child with disabilities that is the work that like the lord has called you to mm-hmm. and 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 it's going to look different than somebody who does not have a child with disabilities and it's going to come with its own sets of problems and difficulties and stressors and different factors that are going to affect what you can and can't do. But at the end of the day, is it something that you despise? Like, is it something that you're like, I didn't want, I didn't want this. So I'm mad at the church because I don't have the same opportunities. I can't do the same things. I'm not viewed the same way. But that's not how the body is like described in the Bible. It's like saying like, I'm a pinky toe. So how dare you be over there being a bicep? And it's like, well, if you're a pinky toe, 
if you're a bicep, like you have no business trying to be the other part of the body, like function where yeah. God has you. But I think there's a lot of revealing of just like they don't actually have the decon crowd. Like they pretend that they have all this like love and empathy for those with differences, but really they just use it as like a battering ram to be angry, to complain, to look for fault where there really it, there really shouldn't be any. Like ultimately you're you're called to be faithful where you're at, not where somebody else is. And you're called to be faithful yeah. with what you have and not with what somebody else has. And so are you willing to do that because a lot of times that just isn't it just clearly isn't what is being said. Yeah, and I think sometimes it comes down to it like if you look at the practical outworking of their life they are willing to do the work. And the real issue that comes up is, well, I just don't want to do it cheerfully. <laughs> I want to do it with an attitude. And isn't that just like one of the number one sin infections in our culture? It's that it's this, I saw this, I saw this, uh, it was a video that was shared and it's some, he's like a well-known TikTok comedian. If I knew his name, you'd be like, oh yeah, I've seen his stuff. Like okay. he's like very viral. Okay. But he he is doing this like situational thing where he's pretending to be a cl- classic 13-year-old boy. Okay. And everything he does is just like mom. And he just like says the dumbest young slang. And And I'm just like, I'm not laughing. Like I'm horrified because this is funny. It's like, you know, what's the, what's the deal with airline food? It's like airline food, not good. Objective truth, right? What's the deal with 13 year old boys? Dumb, lazy, good for nothing. And it's like, that's not funny. Like, why is that? I I think that we have this, we have such a strange, well, we've given in so much to our feelings. Mm-hmm. Well, we've given in so much to our feelings that we have created this whole philosophy that goes along with it, that that just underpins the whole thing and gives it this, this uh, authority, this mm-hmm. like, see, this is true. See, we've observed this in nature. See, we observe this in human psychology. This is just how humans are. We've created this whole system that allows us to all share this delusion where Mm. we don't need to be happy with where we're at. And it's like, Oh, if you feel happy, that's great. But if you don't feel happy, that's just human. And it's like, or it's uh, everyone else's fault. Yeah. And yeah. And, and, and see that's, and it ends up being this response. It's this, it's this anticipation of God saying to be cheerful. So So I'm not saying that there's a ton of people out there giving the argument that you need to be full of joy and you need to, well, that used to be more of how our culture worked, which is that you pull yourself up by your bootstraps, you get it done, you do what you need to do. You're tough. You can handle it. You're, you went to war or your dad went to war or your grandfather went to war or all of you went to war, (laughs) like that kind of thing. And so you even see that. You that is one of the that is one of the like trauma points 
is the way that our our country used to work, which is that you had people who need who were in mental health crisis from going to war that needed all this help, and then they raised children, and that caused this trickle down of trauma and all that, and blah blah blah. And I'm not saying that war is this inconsequential thing, um, but the point is, is that we we have this weird we've we've created a response as a culture to what we know is right, which is that you should be able to be tough. I'm not saying you should just grit your teeth and bear through every single thing that happens to you, but being tough and um, being cheerful. And that means doing things with a smile, not and not a fake one that you may not necessarily want to do or even feel totally equipped to do. <laughs> And here you are doing it. So that has been, that is how our country was founded. It was founded by people who said, I'm going to go do the hardest thing and that I will ever do for 50 acres, 52 plus <laughs> acres of land. And, um, and that's what I'm going to go do. And I'm not going to be like, I, I'm not going to be horrible while I'm doing it. I'm just going to do it. <laughs> um, and so I, this, we've, we've needed to create, we've needed to anticipate mm. what we know to be true, mm. which is that we're meant for work. We're meant to be productive in a valuable sort of way, not just sit down and plod on the computer for however long. Um, and, and we're meant to do it cheerfully in our own ways. I think men and women are kind of have a different application of that those principles sure. but so that's what's true in general there are exceptions but in general that's what's true and so the world this culture our culture especially that continues to just hate god more and more it would seem or is more and more in judgment had to create a response mm -hmm. and it, it wasn't us it wasn't the united states that created this response it's been around for a long time i mean I doubt that Marx was the first iteration of it, but he's the one we seem to really be like attaching ourselves to. <laughs> um, but, you know, so we had to create this, this intellectual authoritative sounding PhD, this very doctoral uh, intelligent response to anticipate what the truth is, which is that we should be able to be productive, mm. work cheerfully, and we don't want to do those things. We love our sin and we want to be sinful. And so then the response would be, well, you, you can't be sinful. Like sinning is wrong. Being, having a bad attitude is wrong. You should repent of that. And it's like, okay, well, let me quickly create a whole system where I don't need to repent of my sin. I can, having a bad attitude is not a sin. And also I shouldn't be required to work. <laughs> I shouldn't be required to do anything valuable um, and in exchange for that, I'll just take tons of pride, uh, sexual brokenness, um, and the list goes on and on. But anyway, it gets, <laughs> it's actually super interesting. You hit on something that I think might be a missing piece, which is you're talking about like how things used to be. You're talking about people who founded the nation and worked really hard and they faced really hard circumstances and um they did all these things but why did they do it well they did it 
believing that they were going to be blessing the next mm-hmm. generation. And I think that's the missing piece for there's two missing pieces. That's one of them for me is like, if you don't feel any responsibility for blessing the next generation, it makes sense why you've spent so much time looking backward, but think about what you're leaving. Think about what the people that come after you are going to have to look backward on. They're just going to be looking backward on this like super bitter, angry mom. And what do you think that's doing to them? Like instead of building this whole philosophy of how everyone else has failed you, like you should be so you should like put that energy into like trying to build something for someone else. Like, I can't tell you how many times I've heard something along the lines of like, well, my parents never taught me or like, well, I didn't have that when I was a kid. So, so what? So your kids can't have it because you didn't have it or like, yeah, no one taught you. So you can't bother to learn and teach someone else. Like that should be where our focus is. It should be. But the second piece I think that's missing that goes right along with that is like when you're doing that, you should do it with the complete knowledge that in like two generations, no one's going to know your name. Like how well acquainted am I with my great grandparents? Not very, Mm -mm. not very, but I know that they've impacted me. Could I tell you all the ways how? No, absolutely not. Mm -mm. But your hope should be I'm building, I'm building, I'm planting, I'm planting, I'm giving, I'm giving. And hopefully this thing that I'm doing is going to impact generations to come who have no idea what my name is. Like no clue. They don't know what my name is. Because Mm -hmm. here's the deal. If you're the one that has the PhD and the past trauma, you probably don't know what your like abusive great grandfather's name was. And it's still affecting you. But like, you don't need to know what you need to know is you can do that too, but in a positive way, like think about what you could build. Think about what you could build if that wasn't your focus. And it's like the, the piece that's missing for me, if you listen to all the deconstructionists is like, so the word you're going to hear over and over is appreciate. I was not appreciated. I was not appreciated. I did all this stuff for the church and I was not appreciated. And it's like, well, that tells me what you were in it for. Right. Like, hey, if you do this thing right, pretty soon you're dead and gone and no one knows your name. No one remembers you at all. And it doesn't matter, but you're going to leave something behind. And it could be it's it, here's the thing with the deconstructionist is what they're leaving behind is the same thing they're complaining about. It's bitterness. It's envy. It's anger. It's just fake. It's hypocritical. And it's like, man, what a waste. Like what a waste of your time. Honestly. Yeah. 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 Well, and that's why I, that's why, that's why it like, that's why I call those people. Dr. Brat. Because ultimately, like you have this, you have equipped yourself with this doctorate level of 
of, of insight and knowledge. And all you are is an infantile, ungrateful, selfish mm-hmm. sinner. Mm-hmm. You're not, you've not, You've not done anything but throw a fit. And Mm -hmm. you may even be so bold as to call it activism. Um, (laughs) But you've not done anything. You've not done anything except for, honestly. Lead others in complaining. Yeah. Well, and honestly, like, sometimes it's in, like you were saying, it's in direct violation of what you've claimed are your own principles. Like, the only recent, the most recent example of racism that i can think of is something that a woke person said yeah oh absolutely absolutely and i think where people get tripped up on this too is like it might be very real that you had what was my example you had an abusive great grandfather right and that and that sucks like, and it probably did affect you, whether in ways that you know or don't know. Okay, but here's the question. Now what? Like, now what? What are you going to do? Sit around and just be mad about it? Like, sit around and, and also be angry and abusive? Like, yeah. now what? I, al- I also just think you have to be, nowadays, like, I'm, like, I'm so sorry, but nowadays... Like, I might not even believe you if you say that someone (laughs) like I don't like if you if your view, if your historical narrative is that the world is nothing but a struggle between marginalized and power structures. I probably don't believe what you have what you have identified as abuse in your past. Um, And I would go as far as to say that many people are just straight up. Like they're like, remember how I said exaggerating and I also said making it up. Mm-hmm. People are just making up because trauma has been redefined to be anything that makes me feel uncomfortable. <laughs> and it, so you're talking at some point, you're ta- when you're looking back on history, you're talking about a, someone from a completely different culture and time making you feel uncomfortable and duh. When you think about the Puritans, it should make you uncomfortable. Because I think if I went to go live with the Puritans now, I would be uncomfortable with how they live because I don't get it. I don't understand it at all. And and so I don't like, but that is not, it, it, that's only a problem if you prescribe, if you uh, subscribe to the belief that the world is nothing but these warring power structures and that is, and that's just undeniably the Marxism that has infected. And there's other philosophers, there's other, they're all in it together. They've produced many offspring. Um, but just this idea that, and it is so, that idea is so sneaky in our mm-hmm. culture that you sometimes don't even realize that you're believing it. Um, and it's just not true. It's false. It's completely false. And so even in a lot of instances when someone, like if someone says, you know, I have this history of whatever, I have this, this abuse now, I'm not like, again, I, I, I'm not saying there aren't exceptions to this, 
Mm-hmm. But I think generally people who legitimately fall into the Dr. Brat category are making up or exaggerating trauma. Um, and then even if they have, in the exceptional case, experienced something there, you're not, you're not looking at forgiveness. You're not seeing someone looking forward and ahead. You are looking at someone who refuses to look, to, to take their gaze off of this trauma that they have allowed to define them. And it's so like, there's a, I would say case in point, well, case in point, it's not biblical. Secondary case in point, there, there are many astute observations about trauma and many objective observations about trauma and how it changes you even physically. Um, But you need to be careful because there is a variety, a huge variable of outcome that, and this is the thing is people will tell, people will say things with authority and it will sound like they're telling you the truth. They're not actually telling you the truth because many people experience similar types of trauma and they go on to lead vastly different lives. So I'm not saying every observation about trauma has been wrong, but I'm saying you have to be careful about who is concluding what. Mm-hmm. This is a super, super sneaky area right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not new. Mm-hmm. It's been around for decades. Mm-hmm. Um, and it to the point where I I really do think a lot of people, um, well, you know, even when, when the deconstructionists were claiming Christ, we know they weren't in Christ because they went out from us, indicating they were never of us. Um, but even that means that those people were sitting in worship services, sitting in youth groups, and they were also being primed and taught this whole philosophy, largely by public schools, um, that, that, that was going to get them to this deconstructing point. We're just, we're not here by accident. It's no. completely on purpose. Um, and it's not, Dr. Bratt is not an activist. She's a brat. Yeah. Yeah. I And I would say my last thought on it is like, if you want to avoid that, the number one thing you have to ask yourself is like, am I willing to die to myself in this? Am I willing to do this work and have nobody say thanks? Nobody. Because you're just, you're not doing it for the thanks. You're doing it because you believe this is what the Lord has called you to do and it will honor him. Like dying to yourself is actually where all the fruit is. If you're willing to do it, (laughs) like the way down is up, right? Like, and I'm not, of course, of course, if you're on the other side of this, I do obviously believe that you should be a thankful, grateful person. And when someone is dying to themselves on your behalf, it might behoove you to notice and appreciate. But who are you doing the work for? Ultimately, if you're not working for the Lord, if you're not willing to die to yourself, if you're not willing to do something that is totally thankless, it tells you who you're working for. You're working for your own satisfaction. You're working because you want to be, you want to feel a certain way. And that is that is the thread, which is like, nobody made me feel this certain way. Um, so I'm going to study everything that was wrong with them. And it's mm-hmm. like, 
listen, if you've legitimately been sinned against, you need to actively be building up a posture of like, you need to be cooking that forgiveness casserole in your heart, ready Mm -hmm. to extend it and then get busy building something for some, for other, for the next generation. That is the only way forward. That's the only way forward. It's the only way not to live in bitterness is to, to genuinely desire the good of others above sitting and stewing and how somebody else failed you because other people are going to fail you. I know you're a human, like welcome. People have failed you and it hurts. And some like life is hard. Welcome. I don't know anybody who's had the an easy breezy problem free life. That's not a thing. Uh, that's just not a thing. And we've all been sinned against. And but what you do with that and how you decide mm-hmm. to move forward, I think, is the difference between genuine faithfulness and people who've deconstructed. Um, so my encouragement is the Lord sees your work. Like, even if no one else sees it, the Lord sees it. Like, what do you need the human eyes for? Who are you working for? What are you willing to give freely? What are you willing to give open-handedly? How are you willing to die to yourself? And those should be your analyzing questions. um, Yeah. Instead of analyzing how everyone else failed to die to themselves on your behalf. Right. Yeah. And, and um, require it of your children. You're not inflicting trauma on your children by requiring them to work hard with a good attitude. Um, you are actually benefiting them. them. Yeah. Yes. Loving, yes. showing them. I mean, just the deepest form of love is raising a child, a 13 year old boy that isn't going, Oh, mom, like and throwing their backpack and just hunched posture and can't look away from his tablet without getting upset at you. And you're like that I, you just, well, for, I mean, we've talked about this many times. Kids are little hypocrisy meters. Like, yes, they are. So of course you're not going to be able to hold them accountable in any way that you're not already accountable to, but but you are not you're not traumatizing your children by by uh by uh teaching them to work hard cheerfully and and you actually something we didn't totally get into we slightly got into it but a lot of times you'll notice that dr brat like all of her trauma is surrounding some sort of unwanted authority which now today is all authority. Um, (laughs) And we've like, we've allowed, we have bought into this. Some of us have bought into this by um, removing ourselves as the authority of our children. Um, And so you are in authority to say, don't be a fool. Um, And just because there have been, bad examples of authority there uh doesn't mean all authority is bad uh we actually know that authority is good and we're under the most purest excellent powerful authority that exists um and uh it's you you put yourself under that authority when you work hard cheerfully 
Mm-hmm. And you can require that of your children. You can pass that on, not just by doing it yourself, but by requiring it um, with discipline <laughs> Yeah, from your kids because you love them. That is, I'm going to get an email about that. <laughs> I wanted to say it that way. Because specifically. I said it. Yeah. Well, so I said it that way specifically. I said it in such a way that Dr. Bratt would take every offense. Yes. Um, because well, that's I'm, a whole other topic. So many, so many moms are don't believe in their own authority in right. their children's lives. Yeah. Um. So that's a whole other. I mean, it's, I don't know if it's other, but that's a big that's a big topic that you're just completely yeah. right about. But it is a gift to give your children. You can't do. Yeah. You can't do the diet itself for your children, but you can model it, encourage it, insist upon it, um, Mm -hmm. create soil for that to happen. Um, But yeah, like you said, like you can't, if you're not doing it, you certainly are not going to successfully train them in it at all. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Children, we are all influencers and influenced and that's totally appropriate. Yeah. Do you want to do your final yeah. of the week? Is it I guess too, we can. you gonna save it? It's quick. Okay, let's do it. So we do have a feminist of the week. Yes. Um, this is just an offhand article that I had read. I'm not even sure when this came out, and I won't have the article for you, but you can probably look it up. Um, so our feminist of the week, I reg- I hate to say, but it's oh. not a surprise. Oh is gonna be Laura Dern. From oh. the from yeah. Jurassic Park no, and I know Laura Dern. Uh, yeah, so she came out and she said that. Um, oh well, no, I know she's, she. Oh, I already. Oh, <laughs> I mean, I'm already she's, itchy from this one. She's from Hollywood. She's yeah. out of Hollywood, so we nobody's not Dern. expecting it. <laughs> she's Hollywood royalty. But, but the reason she specifically got a caught my eye, and we're giving her this fine award this week. <laughs> Is that um, she had something to say about the age difference between her and um, the uh, guy, Doctor Doctor Alan Grant, Sam yes. Neil. That's Sam his name, Neal. right? Yep. Love Sam Neil. Such him. an underrated guy, and I'm assuming it's the the New Zealand accent that's yes. kept him from getting more work. But hey, look, Australia. Anyway. We said something nice about <laughs> New Zealand. I don't know. Oh man, oh, sorry. Whoops. Sorry to Australia again. The entire continent. (laughs) Um, But so I think there was like something like a 20 year age gap in like, so she was 23 when they recorded uh, Jurassic Park. When they recorded Jurassic Park. I knew what she meant. It's fine. (laughs) I mean, it was the 90s. What were they They using? Like VHS tapes? Right. Yeah. Um, and it was just funny because like, (laughs) so she was saying for the time that was okay, but that it hasn't aged well, but it's just funny because, so I guess in the books, it's a little bit different, but in the movie, we have way offensive to say about this. Sorry, go ahead. (laughs) We have two doctors that are in a romantic relationship with each other. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's. That's undeniable 
in the in the in Jurassic Park. Yes. So, but the thing is, they're both doctors. So yeah. whatever. So you're talking about a woman that's in her late twenties, even though she's being played by a woman who's twenty three. The character who she's pretending to play is in her late twenties, and then, and then, uh, someone in some interview said that he was supposed to be in like his mid to late thirties. So, and it's appropriate, right? Yeah, it's fine. Well, it's no offense to her. She was twenty three when they shot that movie. I know. I know. She was. I was like, wow. Okay, well, they really she aged her. Look, they 30, aged her. 30. Yeah, I know. I know. She looks great now. She aged very well. But oh, I, yeah. I had, I would never have. If yeah. you were like, how old was she when she shot that? I would have said she's my age. She's oh, yeah. 34. No, I was shocked when I saw that she was 23. But regardless, she was make. She was saying it didn't age well, and basically her. There's some weird thing in Hollywood, especially since Oppenheimer came out, because Florence Pugh and whatever his name is, Killian Murphy, like other, yeah, are have like a 20 year age gap. And they're trying to say, and I'm like, I thought, here's why Laura earns Feminist of the Week and just all of Hollywood every week <laughs> is it's like, I thought two consenting adults could do whatever, do whatever they, they want. wanted. Yeah. And, a person who signs a contract to be in a movie doesn't do it by accident. And like two people, they're, they're consenting to pretend to be in a relationship with one another. And you're saying it's inappropriate. So what's your standard? You have no standard. It's just constantly nebulous and changing to, I, I mean, it just, I had to share cause it just relates to this too. Yeah. This is, this is the type of scholarship we're dealing with from Dr. Brat. It's this like always changing. Does it fit my narrative? It does yeah. it fit? Does the evidence yeah. support my position? Yeah. Then it's, then it's good evidence. If it doesn't, then it's bad evidence. I would love to hear her commentary on Ethan Hawke's headline this week, which was that it was totally comfortable and fine for him to direct his daughter in a sex scene. Oh. So can we figure this one out, Hollywood? Because I don't think they can. You're right. We're we need to get more creative because every week Hollywood is the feminist of the week and they just never cease. Like the pit is bottomless. The mm-hmm. pit's bottomless mm-hmm. for these people. It's really disturbing. Yeah. Okay, well, that yeah. was a great um, entry. Thanks for the willies. Oh, can I? What's happy? Make the muffins um, <laughs> that I told you about 14 yeah. hours ago when we started. And <laughs> um, join us for book club. There's long yeah. descriptions of other planets, very long <laughs> descriptions of lands that we'll dissect in minute detail. <laughs> with other people from around the world we have several Australians and New Zealanders that join us for book club we have someone from Ireland in book club Um, I know I think South Africa is no longer representing but we had some South Africans anyway we do that at patreon.com slash sheologians you guys can leave us a voicemail I might text you back at (laughs) 470-465-0475 
but only if you say something super interesting. Um, and we will see you all. <laughs> see ya. Yeah.